Welcome to the Commercial Disco, a voyage of commercial discovery. This episode is proudly brought to you by CSIRO, Australia's national science agency and innovation catalyst. Explore the commercialization of great ideas across deep tech and science. Immerse yourself in conversations with the ambitious minds shaping Australia's unique innovation landscape. Discover their insights into what's needed to bring these remarkable ideas to life. Hello and welcome to the Commercial Disco. I'm James Riley, Editorial Director at InnovationOz.com. Today I'm talking to Bali. He's the Executive Vice President and Global Head of AI and Automation and Application Development and Maintenance at Infosys. Welcome, Bali. Thank you, James. Uh, thanks for having me on your podcast. Okay, I think it's unavoidable that we're going to be talking a lot about AI and the implications thereof, particularly for large enterprise. But as we get into it, Infosys talks a lot about modernization. And just so we're on the same page, I guess modernization means different things to different people. Talk me through what your role is in that. Sure, James. So before I say what we mean by modernization, maybe I will start with what it is not from our perspective. From our perspective, it is not a one-time activity, and it is not just a technology migration from one technology to another technology. We, When we refer to modernization, we think about it as a continuous process for redesigning and developing enterprise offerings and processes so that it can better evolve through dynamic and disruptive market conditions that we all face leveraging technology. Uh, modernization, we believe, is what helps enterprises to be a live enterprise. And IT plays a big role as enabler in this modernization journey by making systems nimble and adaptable. Okay, so it's interesting to me that you are the global head of AI and automation in the same way the global head of application development and maintenance, that kind of modernization yes. piece. So one doesn't live without the other right now. You must have been very busy in the last 12 months with the arrival of this whole new generation of AI implementation and AI thinking and AI development. Yes, absolutely. Um, there's a lot of interest in AI in general, and especially after ChatGPT, I think it uh, brought uh, into foreground the possibilities of what AI or generative AI could actually do. And especially with respect to modernization, Modernization, while clients have been keen to modernize their legacy system, some of the systems are extremely old and uh, the people who even actually build the system are probably not working with those companies anymore. So it has both been quite risky to modernize these applications and also been uh, extremely expensive to actually modernize. Now with generative AI, it is opening up new possibilities of how you can use technology to be able to extract both the existing business rules from these old applications and also help actually make it more efficient, reduce the cost and reduce the risk. So AI in general, the interest levels are extremely high. We see we have more than 80 engagements currently on generative AI and modernization is a key theme that many of our clients are looking at by leveraging AI. So let me ask you this. Generative AI is going to change things in ways we can't possibly imagine. This is what the hype is telling us. 
But that's not helpful if you're in charge of an enterprise information system, right? So when you're talking to your clients, what's the advice you give them, you know, small steps that they can take today to make sure that they're ready for the bigger steps to introduce AI into their systems later? So the typical way that we start engagements is to actually look at a few low-hanging fruits and uh, a few POCs just to get the organization to understand the impact how how generative AI can actually play in their landscape, uh, right? So we do POCs in specific areas uh, in the businesses or even in the software development lifecycle using generative AI. Sorry, PO, just, yeah. if you can just POC. Yeah, POCs. Yeah, a proof of concept. A proof of concept on specific areas, uh, right? It could be something like uh, so for one of our wealth management customers they had uh, 18000 wealth managers who were working with 100000 plus documents and providing recommendations to their end customers but it was physically impossible for them to actually go through all of these documents to provide uh, the adequate response so we created an ai model using these documents that actually helped make this process far better more efficient and to be able to deliver better business value, right? So things around those areas are actually, uh, even in software development, in areas such as code development, etc. You build out a few small uh, proof of concepts to actually get the organization to see what is actually out of the possible. And then we look at uh, really enterprise-wide deployment, which would actually a lot of other foundational blocks that you will have to actually set up. You will need to actually uh, set up enterprise application architecture. Those actually come a little later, but we start with a few small proof of concepts uh, to begin with. Okay. What are we talking about when uh, Infosys talks about an AI-first strategy? I'm not quite sure what that means. With the launch of Infosys Topaz, this has kind of come to the forefront. What do we mean by AI-first? So let me take Infosys' own example to actually talk about uh, what we mean by the AI first strategy. Infosys is a large organization. So one of the decisions that we made is just like other than helping our clients actually transform themselves and be ready for the AI first, uh, making their organization AI first, we should implement this ourselves. So not only would we then actually be able to provide uh, a more credible viewpoint to our clients and it would also actually help us experiment a lot more. And there are so multiple value that we can leverage. So in Infosys, the way that we look at AI first is that we need a AI assistant for every role. So we should be able to amplify every role that is there in Infosys by using AI. Let me give you a few examples. We process about a million resumes in a year. And so the recruiter needs to have an AI assistant to help them actually screen the resumes and pick the best resumes out of the million resumes that we actually get. The software developers need to have an AI assistant that would help them do a better job in software development, right? The code development itself to help them get alternatives. A tester should be able to have an AI assistant that will automatically generate test cases for them. A salesperson should have an AI assistant that would help them better response to proposals from our clients. And uh, a person who is actually learning should have a AI assistant that can help him 
learn better and create contextual learning that is actually better. So we are looking at AI assistant for practically every role that you can actually think about in Infosys. And as we are doing that, we are also putting an enterprise framework of how we leverage this so that it is actually scalable, it is efficient, and also we have all the enterprise guardrails of how to use AI in a secure manner. So that is what we are actually working on. And that is what we suggest to all of our clients. To amplify human potential, we are not talking about replacing humans, but to be able to amplify human potential. And we see applicability of AI in practically every role in every organization and do this in a way that is scalable, secure, and safe. Okay, so this is obviously a huge part of modernization programs. Can you talk me through what are some of the attributes of a company that is generally successful in these modernization programs? What's the kind of common characteristic of them? What makes their projects successful over uh, modernization programs, which can be difficult? So I will talk to you about a couple of patterns that we see that uh, common elements that we see where organizations have failed to use modernizations to potential. And then we'll talk about what things that we see in common when enterprises do this well. The common uh, failures are that firstly, when modernization is considered, a lot of organizations think about it as a one-time technology-only initiative and the vision is not shared across the enterprise. So there is minimal interaction between businesses and other teams leading to discord among the groups. And this is one of the most common causes of failure. The second one is that not taking the time to understand the complexity and scope involved and rushing into program results, right? And this is the other issue that we actually see. On the other hand, uh, enterprises that do modernization journey well, they have a few common elements. First, they initiate modernization with a vision that is aligned to a business goal, not just as a technology modernization and one-time activity. They define their vision and strategy. They share the responsibility and decision-making between business, technology, other teams. They set the understanding of the complexity and expectation up front. They start slow, they get basics right, and they have a delivery rhythm. Second, we see this being very important. They look at this as an iterative approach. They prioritize the change management. Even in the AFS initiative that I actually spoke about for Infosys, we are looking at this as releases that we do every six months. And it is not one big band release. We see that breaking down complex projects into smaller manageable components and managing the change management, we call it as micro change for mega outcomes. Those things become important. And the third is about reskilling the workforce. Whether it is in modernization on AI, it is important to think through how you would reskill and upskill the existing employees for these technologies. And so these are a few things enterprises have in common when they do modernization successfully. Right, I'm talking to Bali, Executive Vice President and Global Head of AI Automation and Application Development Maintenance at Infosys. Let me ask you this. Infosys is obviously a very large global company. You, you operate in many, many markets around the world, and these markets have different levels of sophistication and often very different regulatory environments. AI is very new, and people are looking at how it might be regulated, how it can be implemented with frameworks. How does Infosys approach that? What advice do you give to your global customers 
around these regulatory issues. Yeah, and that's a very important point, James. And uh, that is a key challenge that most enterprises are actually grappling with. And so there are multiple issues and risks are related to AI. There is uh, IP contamination. There is uh, issues around uh, data privacy, security, biases, and how you actually don't allow biases to actually get into right what you are recommending. We uh, recommend organizations and uh, even within Infosys, we have set up a responsibly AI office, right? So the objective of this uh, office is to make sure that you are using AI in a responsible way and you mitigate all the concerns that are related to biases, privacy, security, IP violation, etc. What we have also actually done is that we have created an enterprise AI platform that uh, our projects actually leverage for implementation of AI. And within that platform itself, we have created systematically guardrails that we have actually put using technology for every request, every prompt that actually goes in and any response that comes in, where we automatically check some of these things. For example, we check to make sure that the prompt doesn't have anything that is related to personal identifiable information. There is no IP leakage that is actually happening by the request. And we check for these things both in the request and response. So it is an important thing that needs to be handled in multiple dimensions. The responsible AI office, it is important to create an office like that to be able to govern this whole process and also using technology in some ways to implement the guardrails that you need to put in for uh, implementation. So, Bali, you've talked about leveraging AI at all stages of a modernization lifecycle. What exactly do you mean by that? Yeah, so we see generative AI playing a big role in modernization as we were just discussing. So the first and foremost for many of these modernization programs is that the current set of systems and processes are very old and it is not documented and even getting a good understanding of what their current business rules that are existing at the company is a challenge. So generative AI can play a big role in this. Uh, so we have multiple programs where we are documenting existing legacy AS400 code or COBOL code, extracting the business rules out of that using generative AI. We can even actually do a conversion from legacy system like COBOL to Java using AI. But that is not so much a preferred option because you don't want to replicate the same monolithic architecture of legacy in the new modernization era. So we typically reverse engineer. Then in the forward engineering as well, we use AI for code completion. AI can be trained with your code so that it can, as the developers are developing the code, it can actually help in the code completion. AI can help in the test case generation as well uh, to be able to make sure that the new system is doing everything that it's supposed to do and also replicating some of the business rules of the legacy. It can help in the whole test case generation and the testing part of it and also the legacy data migration which becomes a huge exercise. So AI can play a big role in that. So every life cycle stage of the modernization program, we see that AI and more particularly generative AI playing a big role, James. Sounds like you've got a uh, massive amount of work in front of you as uh, AI rolls out across uh, some of these modernization programs that you're running. 
All right, I want to move on. I think I'll start drawing to a close. I wanted to finish on this subject area around climate, I guess. And the data centers are very energy intensive part of our global economy. So let me talk you through this. When we look about the global movement towards net zero, the tech industry needs a massive plan to come to grips with its energy consumption. And there is a particular issue here around modernization and the use of cloud. Can you talk us through strategies that Infosys looks at in this regard? So Infosys has been a carbon neutral company since FI20, and we have been able to achieve uh, being a net zero company by 2040, 10 years ahead of our Paris Agreement. So we have been doing several things within our organization uh, on uh, making sure that we are reducing our carbon footprint. And here AI can play a positive role. So for example, we have a solution called Energy as a Service Platforms that uses AI for monitoring the energy consumption within the buildings and optimizing the energy consumption. Also, we generate a lot of energy from sustainable energy sources such as rooftop solar, windmills, etc., to be able to optimize even the energy generation that we actually use. So we are using AI in a positive way to actually contribute to our whole uh, net zero initiative. Now, we are experimenting with a lot of other technologies. So for example, we are experimenting with uh, immersion cooling, especially when it comes to AI, the lot of energy that is actually required and a uh, lot of heat that actually gets generated and we're looking at the modern technologies that are available to be able to manage some of this in a much more efficient manner. Our EcoWatch platform is another example uh, that we have been working on, which uses digital twins for physical infrastructure, process flow and assets to recommend best practices for safeguarding and minimizing environmental footprint. So this is a key focus overall. The Australian tech industry is also, we are seeing, is taking proactive approach to net zero emissions, especially related to cloud computing. And uh, we are embracing sustainable cloud computing, developing technologies for net zero and achieving net zero for cloud data centers as well. Okay, Bali, thank you so much for coming on the commercial disco. Your time is very much appreciated. Thank you, James. for joining us on this episode of the Commercial Disco podcast, proudly brought to you by CSIRO. Don't forget to like, subscribe and leave a review wherever you heard us. For the latest on tech, innovation and public policy, visit innovationoz.com and stay connected with us on social media to ask questions or suggest future guests. Until next time, this is the Commercial Disco wishing you an inspired week ahead.